Our first sacred text this morning comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, which you can find on page 193 of the New Testament in your pew Bible. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness. For that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, as indeed you are doing. And our second sacred text this morning is from Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 to 30, page 27 in the New Testament in your pew Bible. Make sure I start the right place this time. <laughs> For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slave slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled the accounts with them. The, then the one who had received the five talents came forward bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. 
the one with the two talents also came forward saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all who, all those who have, more will be given, and they will have abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So ends the reading of the sacred text. Those are powerful words to have to follow, aren't they? Yes, they are. A hundred and thirty pounds. That's how much a talent is. And it was indeed in those days thought of and most, most recognized as money. A shekel being a, just a little bit and then it builds up and the talent. So they of course are thinking 130 pounds of gold. The size of many people in this room. Size of an average woman. But I don't think God was thinking that. I don't think Jesus was thinking that. And indeed, we, because we use this so many times in our churches to try to inspire ourselves to make more money, use our talents, so to speak, and bring in more money to the church. Noble, I'm sure. But I don't believe not for a minute, that this is what Jesus was thinking about. I think we have to look at Thessalonians to get a pretty good idea. Because in Thessalonians, it, he, he praises the Thessalonians, who are waiting, of course, as everybody is waiting for the last day when we will finally have peace on earth. 
finally get it all together everywhere. And he says, of course, you know that you, we're not knowing when this is going to happen. It's going to come like a thief in the night. It's not something. But what are you supposed to do in the meantime? In the meantime, we're encouraging one another and building up one another. Verse 11. That's what they were doing. And frankly, that's what we're doing. I came into church this morning. I hadn't been here for eons. I realized the last time I was here, I was not able to walk up those steps because of my foot. And I haven't thought about not walking on my foot for months. And yet, I've been busy and been at the hospital and doing the work there. And I haven't been in here. So I thought, hmm, I wonder how I'm going to be approached this day. Will people stand back or will I be embraced? I was embraced immediately. I was encouraged. I was lifted up. That's what we do. That's a talent. That's a gift that we have. My work. My work is, is about spiritual health. Matter of fact, and I will invite all of you to join me in this, we're going to an annual meeting this year, be having a spiritual health center where I will invite others to come into this place and find the tools that builds up our spirits. How many of you have ever thought to yourself, what do I do to prepare myself for hospitalization? Prepare my spirit. Oh, everybody's on a diet. Everybody's doing their exercises. Everybody is doing, especially if it's colonoscopy, a lot of helpful things to get prepared. But how many times do we prepare ourselves spiritually? Through prayer. Through doing uplifting. By packing a bag that we can take with us into the hospital that would have our favorite devotion or a, a photograph of something or something that brings us peace. If you're Catholic, they bring their, their rosaries. Do you have prayer beads? What do you have to prepare yourself to go to the hospital? If you did that, my job becomes easier. Because you would already have your talents. You would have your nearly over 600 pounds of talents. But most people don't. They're in the hospital, they go through a surgery, and they go through the grief process. We think, oh, well that doesn't happen to us unless we lose something or we die. That's not true. When you go into the hospital, you're going through a change. And when you're going through a change, you go through the steps. And the first step is numb. And when you're numb, you need the gifts and talents of those who support you. 
Now, you know I could stand up here for hours talking about that one. I want to go back to talents. I want us to focus on what talents did we get? What talents did you get? And what are you doing with them? Talents are the basis of you having purpose. And without purpose, you don't have spiritual health. Does that make sense to you? No meaning, no spiritual health. You're sitting there wondering why your body is taking over everything, why your mind is racing and you have anxiety, and why you feel like everyone is picking on you, including God. But when you have purpose, everything changes. There's a group, another church that I belong to. This is the church where I commune. It's a group of ladies down in Chihuahua at the long-term care center. Mary, Vi, Hilda, Francis, Florence, Sally, Nancy. Amazing women. And this Monday when I provided our communion service, I decided to use these texts. Because when you're in the presence of such elders, and by the way, most of those ladies I just mentioned are in their 90s. When you're in the presence of such wisdom, how can I do the preaching? Can't. So they preach to me. I invite them and they talk of much what you're going to get to experience next week. And this week I said, okay, here's the text. And then I said, so what are our talents? And they went around the room. Mary, and the patriarch of the Chihuahua UCC Church, said, well, I embroider, um, I embroider dish rags. And then I sell them at the auctions, at the, the sales, and that brings money. And I said, so how does that, a talent, how does that bring you. It's just, well, that that money goes straight into the coffers and we get to use that and everybody benefits from my crochet. And that makes me feel very good. There. The standard way of looking at talents, correct? We go out, we do something, and we make something and then it grow we sell it and we make more money and we grows. You did that some years ago, Annie was telling me this morning, where everybody was given $10. They took that $10 and put it into supplies, and they made things, or they did things, or they found a way, and they doubled it, and they brought the money back into the church. And it was a fundraiser, and it was a lot of fun. That's the standard way. Well, then we moved to Florence. Now, Florence has been there with me, and we've been talking about our gifts and our talents and, and things for quite a while. And I said, so Florence, what about you? What are your talents? And she looked at me right in the eyes, and she says, I smile at people. I smile at people. Whenever they go by, if I get their eye contact, I smile with people. And everybody in the room applauded. Yes, 
who couldn't say very much, can smile. And she knows she can smile to the end of her days. It went on from there to Vi, who talked about, well, I take time to visit with people. I really go out every morning now, Judith, and I think to myself in my prayers, Lord, how can I help? And I take time to listen. There's so many people here who has nobody to listen to them. And I can. And God has given me the talent of still remembering. It went on like that. Precious, precious, precious. And then when we had communion, I went around and, oh, they had also had a chance to pray and thank God for their talents. And then I went around at communion and we said, way to go, good and faithful friend. To each and every one. And when it was my turn and I drank from the cup, they said to me, way to go, good and faithful friend. This is what we as the church have got to do. We can't sit in our anger and our frustration and our gossip and our concerns and pile more and more dirt on our talents and our gifts. We cannot afford to continue to do that. Instead, we have to find ways of finding the shovels and helping people to unbury, to bring them up, to show them how important they are. Those are the greatest, greatest talents that we can give. More important than any one job, one way of making money. If we want to grow, if we want to be the church of God where we have been left as servants until that final day when world peace comes, then we have got to unbury our talents or use our talents. And if we had five and now we have ten, that means we have ten and tomorrow we'll have twenty and it will keep growing. And I'm here to tell you, from my dear congregation down in Chihuahua, that it all starts with a smile. It all starts with a smile. That will help unbury anything. I love you guys. You are my church. And how I wish that I could be with you Sunday after Sunday. But you have to know that you are. That every Sunday I know that I have your prayers in my heart. And when I lead the ACU unit with their prayer, which we do together over the intercom on Sunday morning, you are there with us. And when I say happy Sunday, I know you're getting ready together. You are building and helping me have the talents that it takes to be out there in the hospital working with people who are numb with grief. I hope that this sermon today will help you do the same. Amen.